chapter three of the pilot by james fenimore cooper this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three in such a time as this it is not meet that every nice offence should bear its comment shakespeare the cliffs threw their dark shadows wide on the waters and the gloom of the evening had so far advanced as to conceal the discontent that brooded over the ordinarily open brow of barnstable as he sprang from the rocks into the boat and took his seat by the side of the silent pilot shove off cried the lieutenant in tones that his men knew must be obeyed a seaman's curse light on the folly that exposes planks and lives to such navigation and all to burn some old timberman or catch a norway trader asleep give way men give way notwithstanding the heavy and dangerous surf that was beginning to tumble in upon the rocks in an alarming manner the startled seamen succeeded in urging their light boat over the waves and in a few seconds were without the point where danger was most to be apprehended barnstable had seemingly disregarded the breakers as they passed but sat sternly eyeing the foam that rolled by them in successive surges until the boat rose regularly on the long seas when he turned his looks around the bay in quest of the barge i griffith has tired of rocking in his pillowed cradle he muttered and will give us a pull to the frigate when we ought to be getting the schooner out of this hard-featured landscape this is just such a place as one of your sighing lovers would dote on a little land a little water and a good deal of rock dammy long tom but i am more than half of your mind that an island now and then is all the terra firma that a seaman needs it's reason and philosophy sir returned the sedate coxswain and what land there is should always be a soft mud or a sandy ooze in order that an anchor might hold and to make soundings sartin i've lost many a deep sea besides hand leads by the dozen on rocky bottoms but give me the roadstead where a lead comes up light and an anchor heavy there's a boat pulling athwart our forefoot captain barnstable shall i run her aboard or give her a berth sir tis the barge cried the officer ned has not deserted me after all a loud hail from the approaching boat confirmed this opinion and in a few seconds the barge and whale-boat were again rolling by each other's side griffith was no longer reclining on the cushions of his seats but spoke earnestly and with a slight tone of reproach in his manner why have you wasted so many precious moments when every minute threatens us with new dangers i was obeying the signal but i heard your oars and pulled back to take out the pilot have you been successful there he is and if he finds his way out through the shoals he will earn a right to his name this bids fair to be a night when a man will need a spy-glass to find the moon but when you hear what i have seen on those rascally cliffs you will be more ready to excuse my delay mr griffith you have seen the true man i trust or we incur this hazard to an evil purpose 
i i have seen him that is a true man and him that is not replied barnstable bitterly you have the boy with you griffith ask him what his young eyes have seen shall i cried the young midshipman laughing then i have seen a little clipper in disguise out sail an old man-of-war's man in a hard chase and i have seen a straggling rover in long togs as much like my cousin peace gabbler exclaimed barnstable in a voice of thunder would you detain the boats with your silly nonsense at a time like this away into the barge sir and if you find him willing to hear tell mr griffith what your foolish conjectures amount to at your leisure the boy stepped lightly from the whale-boat to the barge whither the pilot had already preceded him and as he sunk with a mortified air by the side of griffith he said in a low voice and that won't be long i know if mr griffith thinks and feels on the coast of england as he thought and felt at home a silent pressure of his hand was the only reply that the young lieutenant made before he paid the parting compliments to barnstable and directed his men to pull for their ship the boats were separating and the plash of the oars was already heard when the voice of the pilot was for the first time raised in earnest hold he cried hold water i bid ye the men ceased their efforts at the commanding tones of his voice and turning toward the whale-boat he continued you will get your schooner under way immediately captain barnstable and sweep into the offing with as little delay as possible keep the ship well open from the northern headland and as you pass us come within hail this is a clean chart and plain sailing mr pilot returned barnstable but who is to justify my moving without orders to captain munson i have it in black and white to run the aerial into this feather-bed sort of a place and i must at least have it by signal or word of mouth from my betters before my cutwater curls another wave the road may be as hard to find going out as it was coming in and then i had daylight as well as your written directions to steer by would you lie there to perish on such a night said the pilot sternly two hours hence this heavy swell will break where your vessel now rides so quietly there we think exactly alike but if i get drowned now i am drowned according to orders whereas if i knock a plank out of the schooner's bottom by following your directions twill be a hole to let in mutiny as well as sea-water how do i know but the old man wants another pilot or two that's philosophy muttered the coxswain of the whale-boat in a voice that was audible but it's a hard strain on a man's conscience to hold on in such an anchorage then keep your anchor down and follow it to the bottom said the pilot to himself it's worse to contend with a fool than a gale of wind but if no no sir no fool neither interrupted griffith barnstable does not deserve that epithet though he certainly carries the point of duty to the extreme heave up at once mr barnstable and get out of this bay as fast as possible ah you don't give the order with half the pleasure with which i shall execute it pull away boys the ariel shall never lay her bones in such a hard bed if i can help it as the commander of the schooner uttered these words with a cheering voice his men spontaneously shouted and the whale-boat darted away from her companion and was soon lost in the gloomy shadows cast from the cliffs 
in the meantime the oarsmen of the barge were not idle but by strenuous efforts they forced the heavy boat rapidly through the water and in a few minutes she ran alongside of the frigate during this period the pilot in a voice which had lost all the startling fierceness and authority it had manifested in his short dialogue with barnstable requested griffith to repeat to him slowly the names of the officers that belonged to his ship when the young lieutenant had complied with this request he observed to his companion all good men and true mr pilot and though this business in which you are just now engaged may be hazardous to an englishman there are none with us who will betray you we need your services and as we expect good faith from you so shall we offer it to you in exchange and how know you that i need its exercise asked the pilot in a manner that denoted a cold indifference to the subject why though you talk pretty good english for a native returned griffith yet you have a small burr in your mouth that would prick the tongue of a man who was born on the other side of the atlantic it is but a little moment where a man is born or how he speaks returned the pilot coldly so that he does his duty bravely and in good faith it was perhaps fortunate for the harmony of this dialogue that the gloom which had now increased to positive darkness completely concealed the look of scornful irony that crossed the handsome features of the young sailor as he replied true true so that he does his duty as you say in good faith but as barnstable observed you must know your road well to travel among these shoals on such a night as this know you what water we draw tis a frigate's draught and i shall endeavour to keep you in four fathoms less than that would be dangerous she is a sweet boat said griffith and minds her helm as a marine watches the eye of his sergeant at a drill but you must give her room in stays for she foreaches as if she would put out the wind's eye the pilot attended with a practised ear to this description of the qualities of the ship that he was about to attempt extricating from an extremely dangerous situation not a syllable was lost on him and when griffith had ended he remarked with the singular coldness that pervaded his manner that is both a good and a bad quality in a narrow channel i fear it will be the latter to-night when we shall require to have the ship in leading strings i suppose we must feel our way with the lead said griffith we shall need both eyes and leads returned the pilot recurring insensibly to his soliloquizing tone of voice i have been both in and out in darker nights than this though never with a heavier draught than a half two then by heaven you are not fit to handle that ship among these rocks and breakers exclaimed griffith your men of a light draught never know their water tis the deep keel only that finds a channel pilot pilot beware how you trifle with us ignorantly for tis a dangerous experiment to play at hazards with an enemy young man you know not what you threaten nor whom said the pilot sternly though his quiet manner still remained undisturbed you forget that you have a superior here and that i have none that shall be as you discharge your duty said griffith for if peace interrupted the pilot we approach the ship let us enter in harmony 
he threw himself back on the cushions when he had said this and griffith though filled with the apprehensions of suffering either by great ignorance or treachery on the part of his companion smothered his feelings so far as to be silent and they ascended the side of the vessel in apparent cordiality the frigate was already riding on lengthened seas that rolled in from the ocean at each successive moment with increasing violence though her topsail still hung supinely from her yards the air which continued to breathe occasionally from the land being unable to shake the heavy canvas of which they were composed the only sounds that were audible when griffith and the pilot had ascended to the gangway of the frigate were produced by the sullen dashing of the sea against the massive bows of the ship and the shrill whistle of the boatswain's mate as he recalled the side boys who were placed on either side of the gangway to do honour to the entrance of the first lieutenant and his companion but though such a profound silence reigned among the hundreds who inhabited the huge fabric the light produced by a dozen battle-lanterns that were arranged in different parts of the decks served not only to exhibit faintly the persons of the crew but the mingled feeling of curiosity and care that dwelt on most of their countenances large groups of men were collected in the gangways around the mainmast and on the booms of the vessel whose faces were distinctly visible while numerous figures lying along the lower yards or bending out of the tops might be dimly traced in the background all of whom expressed by their attitudes the interest they took in the arrival of the boat though such crowds were collected in other parts of the vessel the quarter-deck was occupied only by the officers who were disposed according to their several ranks and were equally silent and attentive as the remainder of the crew in front stood a small collection of young men who by their similarity of dress were the equals and companions of griffith though his juniors in rank on the opposite side of the vessel was a larger assemblage of youths who claimed mr mary as their fellow around the capstan three or four figures were standing one of whom wore a coat of blue with the scarlet facings of a soldier and another the black vestments of the ship's chaplain behind these and nearer the passage to the cabin from which he had just descended stood the tall erect form of the commander of the vessel after a brief salutation between griffith and the junior officers the former advanced followed slowly by the pilot to the place where he was expected by his veteran commander the young man removed his hat entirely as he bowed with a little more than his usual ceremony and said we have succeeded sir though not without more difficulty and delay than were anticipated but you have not brought off the pilot said the captain and without him all our risk and trouble have been in vain he is here said griffith stepping aside and extending his arm towards the man that stood behind him wrapped to the chin in his coarse pea-jacket and his face shattered by the falling rims of a large hat that had seen much and hard service this exclaimed the captain then there is a sad mistake this is not the man would have seen nor can another supply his place i know not whom you expected captain munson said the stranger in a low quiet voice but if you have not forgotten the day when a very different flag from that emblem of tyranny that now hangs over yon taffrail was first spread to the wind you may remember the hand that raised it 
bring here the light exclaimed the commander hastily when the lantern was extended towards the pilot and the glare fell strong on his features captain munson started as he beheld the calm blue eye that met his gaze and the composed but pallid countenance of the other involuntarily raising his hat and bearing his silver locks the veteran cried it is he though so changed that his enemies did not know him interrupted the pilot quickly then touching the other by the arm as he led him aside he continued in a lower tone neither must his friends until the proper hour shall arrive griffith had fallen back to answer the eager questions of his messmates and no part of this short dialogue was overheard by the officers though it was soon perceived that their commander had discovered his error and was satisfied that the proper man had been brought on board his vessel for many minutes the two continued to pace a part of the quarter-deck by themselves engaged in deep and earnest discourse as griffith had but little to communicate the curiosity of his listeners was soon appeased and all eyes were directed toward that mysterious guide who was to conduct them from a situation already surrounded by perils which each moment not only magnified in appearance but increased in reality End of chapter three